0: What's up everybody, it's your boy A.L. Newton and you're tuned in to another episode of A New Perspective I'm so glad that you found time in your week or uh, started your week off with the old perspective Listen, um, it's always good to sit behind the golden microphone and let it go And uh, share and express with some of my closest friends that tune in weekly to make this thing tread and make this thing go so what's on my mind this week for the old perspective I want to start here um I shared with you last week that I love to read and um I'm, I'm on a kick right now of just reading as much as I can read when I can read it um to sharpen the old mind and I think it's healthy to read from a standpoint of uh, it it allows you to envision and make the words come to life that's one of the reasons uh, I got into writing I, I prefer to read a book over watching a movie any day of the week because the way I see it in my mind is the way it goes I think that might be the reason I like podcasting too because the way I say it is the way it goes <laughs> and so <laughs> backtrack for even more of a setup um, the past two Wednesdays have have been with um, good friends, and have been in the position to just have enjoy and engage in healthy sports debates. Um, we talk life and and other things, but ultimately, it's been two Wednesdays in a row where like I left the room, and it was kind of like, oh, you're wrong, or oh, you don't know what you're talking about. Like I left the room feeling that way that I didn't, I was wrong, and I didn't know what I was talking about. And um. Literally to get in the car and to pull it up and be like, "God, Anthony, were you were you really wrong? Were were you really that wrong?" <laughs> and uh, and and neither times to be wrong essentially at all. And I, I got in that space where and and in one of the debates this past Wednesday, uh, one of the comments that was made is, "Oh, you always right. You just always think you're right. you always right even though you're dead ass wrong." And that kind of stuck with me, and I left Wednesday and Thursday. I get my feelings a whole lot. I, I've been hella sensitive lately. I really don't know what's wrong with me, but I, I, I left and I was like really in my feelings. And I was thinking about this whole notion of always being right, because everybody always tells me that you always think you're right. You just always you just always think you're right. You just, you just always she talk like you're right. And you act like you're right, and it doesn't matter because you're right. And 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 Nick, when we get into it, and she, well, it doesn't matter. You're right. I'm not always right. I am not always right. I am not always right. I can admit that I'm wrong. I can admit when i'm wrong. problem is I'm right like ninety six point three eight percent of the time uh ninety eight point three six um and i and I got that habit from from two things one three things essentially when we were in middle school one of the things that bernice presley the legend that she is um taught us from her educational experience and from her experience in social action and social justice and civil rights was that as um scientists and as black people you got to be able to know what you're talking about in order to not be embarrassed and when people attempt to embarrass you or when they challenge your information you must ask permission to show documentation to validate what you're saying i i didn't get what she was teaching us when i was 12 or 13 and she would just always say it all the time and even when you make a statement or even when you share an opinion um even if it was far left or far right miss presley would say show show your documentation where's your supporting documentation where's the thread not just a feeling or an emotion because you can work on feeling and emotion and direction but where's your documentation what validates what gives this validity is it is it refutable um is the source good she used to challenge that in us every day even afterwards um in speaking engagements uh, when she would see us outside of school even now when, when we share uh, and I'll share a thought or I'll share an opinion or she'll, she'll ask me something and she'll say Mr. New, you have documentation for that um, what, what, what part of that can be sustainable so that fed into my love of reading fictional books and going into non-fictional and now that I'm older I love reading um, theology and psychology and um, I'm really falling in love with and I've been in love with it but even more so um black people speaking out about expressing the black experience and i never really knew how to contextualize it what it was that i was feeling when i was feeling how i was feeling and somebody shared with me that they feel like the perspective is gone to all uh to all bashing well they didn't say all that they didn't say that um that that was about to be a misrepresentation but there is a lot of hey there there might be some opportunity um Essentially to, to the way I beat up on white people At times and I don't think I beat up on white people um, But I'm getting In a space in my life where I really Embrace my blackness And I've, I've, I've Loved being black I've always been I've always loved being black but a lot of the times I was the only In in the secular world the only black person In the room and some of my friends says I'm still the only black person in the room And how to navigate and how to temper and how to um, contain my black experience, even with as, as vocal as I am, or how to express it. And hearing other stories from other black people, from other um, dynamics, it's has been mind blowing to me to share that, damn, we really all grew up the same. Being able to express black humanity, and learning from the black experience has, even as a black person, been eye opening to me to, hey, this is what I identify with. Hey, this is how I feel. Hey, this is, this is how I want to articulate what I'm saying. Um, this is my lived experience versus um, it's someone else's academic experience. And then my lived experience is what you've researched for the data that you're trying to feed back that's why black people hate when people bring up black on black crime i'm just saying um so it it this is this has been a journey to to really express it's been about since george floyd died being able to genuinely express how i feel in certain rooms um and i i've often said i don't care who leads me and I have cared and I, and I do care sometimes on who I offend on what I say. But the more I get into it, I realize as long as Nicole Newton is is talking to me, it, it doesn't really matter. That these expressions of how we feel as people are important. Um, I have a, I have a, now, ooh, a friend. I'm um, this person listens to the perspective, actually. Uh, and, and this is a, an apology huh i'll make it an apology too um and we you know we've known each other a long time um and we were both considered white people and black bodies essentially that people discounted our we grew up and i I think this is a uh, um i think this is an adequate representation of how we both grew up of being black people with uh that aren't that people don't consider black Because we grew up with a different subsection sub structure uh, Set and um we were One of two or three black people in classrooms And um I am Not brilliant this person she's brilliant And um she had gone to A historically black college and university And all throughout high school we were Friendly and then there was one summer You know how it is one summer is when people come home And you kind of pull The 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 trigger <laughs> on some things that you you know y'all get me if you get me you get me if you don't you don't if you got me you got me if you don't you're just left and so reading um or this new environment of reading about black experiences helped me see how that particular situation I might have put that person in an awkward position because my line before before any you know intimacy was engaged to this beautiful black woman was hey have you ever been with a black man before like that that is what i articulated because i allowed myself to believe narratives and notions and fit things um in places and and i'm sorry for that because my black experience is not the only black experience and sometimes we negate embracing our black experience or listening to other black people who are in the room to learn from each other that we we compromise in senses our dignity of what it means to be black the expression of our culture to fit into certain places and for certain spaces and i have been doing that <laughs> less and less and less and has it cost me some people yeah has it cost me some listeners hell yeah um but it feels good not to try to hide certain essences of just who I am it's crazy I couldn't for the longest uh and this is gonna blow his little light skin head up ooh I a light skin that's another problem shoot me um but for, for the longest I couldn't understand why I could not stand Julian Kinsey Couldn't can't still to this day. We're doing good right now. Shout out to us. It's been like four years since we told each other wait, how long ago? Been me five years since we told each other to go jump off the go jump off a bridge. But I figured out what that is it's because we're not trying to drink out the same water and hole anymore. And we used to like to I don't even think we ever drank out the same water and hole, but we used to like to look at the same water and holes, and that was the main instance of us fighting but for years I didn't understand that that was the person in my life who understood the most what I was experiencing and then a natural rivalry brotherhood friendship developed where we would argue instead of we we were builders but we, we don't we didn't build each other then the way we build each other now or the way we can confide in each other now or the way we can say hey this is what's happening now and lifting each other up and so I'm just I've been on this kick with with reading to understand um, black people and to being a black person and understanding black people. Even then, that that sometimes is totally different. Um, That's a totally different concept and a totally different piece of ideology together. And when I become an expert on speaking on it, I promise I will. That's one of the reasons um i'll I'll continue to read I'm getting to the book I'm reading I promise uh but I want to be able to to not only understand it but then adequately express I'm decent on those misspelled grammar filled uh, social media posts sometimes but to adequately express the emotion and the feeling I had anytime someone calls the names of the um the the patrons and the parishioners um, of the Emmanuel nine shooting, I literally get chills and start to cry. And I don't know if it starts to happen when the names are listed or when they say Emmanuel African Methodist Episcopal church. And for the majority of my life, you can take Emmanuel out and put any other name, African Methodist Episcopal church. And that's where I am on Sunday mornings. How relatable that was to me, how to sit back and realize that even in those moments, the That that black love is so Big and so dynamic and so Trusting and so interchangeable Even after all the hurt and pain That Dylan Roof Walked into a black church And before he slayed those people Received the black love That's exchanged in the black church All the time I don't know how to adequately Express how that makes me feel The ire that it gave me Um not only towards him but towards Us for being so loving at times Um the 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 step back in the viewpoint on valuing love versus power and i think um, one of the biggest issues with the world is we talk about love while chasing power we talk about providing love by wanting to be in power to provide the love instead of just giving love so all that leads to i've been reading i just read uh this wonderful 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 book Entitled I'm Still Here Black Dignity and a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. And it is a phenomenal read. Uh, my cousin David Watson shared with me, he was like, oh, I think you like it because that kind of sounded like a female version of yourself. Like there's just something about the way the sister articulated it to make me feel alive in her words. And so, white, black, red, green, purple, blue. Uh, whatever you may be I genuinely suggest that you go pick up a copy of that book and go read it if you are a white leader in um position and you genuinely are trying to diversify yourself this does not provide diversity but it provides uh austin tanning brown is uh, is a black woman who was working in a white evangelical church and worships in a white evangelical church and her capturing her experiences all the way from um elementary school there were things i just never thought about and and i thought about them but without thinking about them and she was giving the example of being in high school and the high school teacher talking about and she was just setting up oh you know it's just some one of those tasks we do every day like washing our hair you wash your hair every day and and often like you know i was sitting in class thinking no i don't wash my hair every day never was i trained to wash my hair every day and i was like yeah black folks We don't wash your hair every day And just the different examples of how opposite our worlds are And how they blend into our institutions And into our habits And we don't even realize it And and, um, I don't think it changes the world But she also made the point That we cannot wait on all white people to be on one accord When it comes to dealing with race because the world never moved Because all white people agreed And that blew my mind I was like what And then she she laid out some examples So I'm advocating that I've I posted about it, I've shared about it It was a good, it was a quick, it was an easy read To hear it from the voice of a black woman it Was phenomenal I have bought the physical, the digital, and the audio copy Because uh, it came out in 2018 I'm upset that I'm just now finding out about it But uh, if you were in the position to um, the position of power and want to try to understand from a different lens. Or as a black man to hear it from a black woman on just some of the the stereotypes, and then hear it in her, of her in that setting. I've always wondered what and call me what you want to how black people feel going to churches that never address the social economic change or the socio economical. Issues in neighborhoods of people of color and how they justify having two or three minutes of outreach as them being reached out, or having uh three percent of their congregation being black and they saying, Hey, that you know, um, that represents being diverse. And and just I've always wondered, and, and it really opened my eyes on some of those things because I I would never ask I, I, mean, I don't I don't think I would ask because people get defensive. She even talked about that the the defensive position of uh people when you ask certain questions because they don't want to deal with the harsh nastiness of just the way our culture see each other differently. Are the fact there's one I think my favorite article, my favorite chapter in the book was called, I believe, uh, "Ain't No Friends Here." And She was talking about how one of her professors um, was was teaching, and I and I related to it. I feel so bad relating to it. I don't know if I feel bad relating to it because I do know I have people of that don't look like me who would go to war for me. I believe. I think. I want to say maybe, but the um, overall consensus of the chapter was how black people, even with white friends, feel like there ain't no friends here in certain settings um that even with all of their hard work and with all of their loyalty they can be easily skipped or forgotten for someone else and I was like wow I thought about some of my professional settings of how damn great I was or for the longest how (laughs) James Cook was the only black manager uh I had ever worked for or worked with and at the time it was a 10-year career and i was just like wow like that's just that was mind-blowing or how many people have never had an african-american supervisor and um how we don't have friends even when we express ourselves because everything we do sometimes is demonstrative or we need to check ourselves or we have to be the ones who are more loving or more considerable or the person that has the back off being right even though they are right anyone else if they're right uh 98.36 of the three percent, three percent of the time uh, would be celebrated, not pushed back and said, hey, you just always think you're right. So I can't have this conversation any other time. That's a winning percentage and people would want to be with the winners. And so it just it's it's I'm in a soul searching moment. Um, I think that's part of why JJ went to FAMU. I know that's part of why JJ went to FAMU was because he was ready to be around people who he could he didn't feel like he had to dim his black excellence around and that makes some people uncomfortable but it's it's it is the truth i believe of how people feel in certain settings and certain sub settings and so said all that to say (laughs) i do not apologize for being right some of the time and i'm going to share another issue that i'm right well i won't say i'm right on here's my opinion so Afghanistan has taken the news by storm what is going on um, what is going on with the Afghani people and um, the way this thing was handled I want to start by saying that uh, Joseph Robinette Biden the president of the United States of America the 46th president of the United States of America has completely botched in my opinion. The pullout of troops in Afghanistan has completely botched, uh, pulling out of the people of Afghanistan. Now I know I am very aware that he was handed a mess of a situation. I don't just part-time read things. I used to say on a little podcast called a new perspective, uh, where part of the problem with president Trump being so, um, Polarizing is we missed a lot of the things that were happening that we should pay more attention to. So let's fast let's rewind to 19 months ago when the Afghani leadership and the Taliban were arguing, and America stepped in to do a peace agreement. And we met with the side that we ran out of the country, and we validated the side that came out of the country. Let's go back 19 months when conservative news outlets were championing this great peace deal and anybody who had ever read any kind of social studies book or any type of uh, deal making group realized that this was a horrible deal, that you can't broker a deal without all parties in the room. Let's go back 19 months to when uh, generals, conservative and liberal, were kind of like, hey. Yeah, we we want to pull our troops home, but the moment we pull our troops home, uh Afghanistan will fall. Let's go back uh to 20, 2008 uh, 2008 to 2016 when uh Barack Hussein Obama was president and people were saying, "Hey, you need to bring the troops home from Afghanistan. You need to bring the troops home," and they were bashing him. And he was like, uh, one, I didn't start this war, but I understand that the Afghani people are not ready to leave, that they don't understand what it takes, that they don't understand how the democracy works. And the moment we pull them out, um, things will crumble and people were like, oh, well, you don't care about America, oh, you're you're botching this thing. And he was like, oh, we need to come home. But coming home like this will be a natural, uh, will be a calamity. Which linchpin right there real quick. <laughs> We're gonna to have to look back at the Obama presidency And I am not I, I bashed President Obama on some of the way he handled things But the way it's going right now Barack Obama might have been the greatest president In our lifetime so far And when I say our lifetime I am 31 So I was born uh, Bush, Daddy Bush was in office Clinton took office in In 90 uh, So I lived through Cl- Daddy Bush, Clinton baby bush obama trump and now biden i think that's six if my math is right real quick and i think in my lifetime when you, we go back and look at policies and some of these things uh even though we bash the way obama handled some of that we're gonna have to realize that obama might have been the best president in our lifetime anyway so far so let's rewind even more okay let's rewind back to september the 11th 2001 and i said on on social media that i expect us to have revisionist history if you're my age and the demographics of this podcast are are mainly 21 to 36. Um, so many of us that listen to this podcast were very 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 young when 9-11 happened. We remember the symbols of the flag and we remember grieving and we remember being united and nothing united the country more nothing unites people more than us believing in an outside force trying to divide us right and so america was like oh america woo!" that's so how i became a patriots fan because i wanted to do something more patriotic on september 11 i was like i'm gonna do something more patriotic so i stopped rooting for the Green bay packers and brett Favre, and i was like i'm, I'm gonna be a patriot fan and they just so happened to win the super bowl and we've been ro- rocking and rolling ever since but even when that happened if you go back and read major news articles and read some of the opinion pieces um that were written um going to afghanistan in my opinion never should have been the solution to fixing 9 11. not putting that many troops on the ground not doing it that way we should have collected the intel gone and handled osama bin laden in the top leadership of the taliban if you handle the top leadership, most organizations, especially ones ran like that, um, if you if you take care of the head of the snake, the rest of the body dies because eventually there's no leadership structure in place or anybody intelligent enough to continually, um, continually to lead the organization. That's what I'd have done if I was the president. I'd never be president, never been capable of president. I don't know a person who is capable of being the president of the United States. It's a big job. That's what I would have done. Instead, we used Afghanistan as a bridge to go into Iraq. And there are plenty of uh, books and documentaries and comments and articles and opinions that can be read. That the only reason we went to Afghanistan was to get into Iraq so that baby Bush could finish daddy Bush's war against Saddam Hussein. Right. The oil issue, all that is going on. Desert storm. My grandfather was a part of desert storm it was what it was it is what it is uh bush bush baby bush wanted to take care of senior bush's issues so we were in afghanistan for the wrong reasons because if it was just to take care of the taliban we would have done that and been on our merry way so i think there there is some lost in that sauce of the troops needed to come home Uh, we needed to pull out I understand where, where old Joe Biden is coming from when he says, you know, part of our problem is we're fighting in a war and not a single Afghani troop was willing to pull a trigger and defend their own land. That's telling. I I I, I pray to God for grace and mercy during their civil war that's been going on forever. Um, I pray for the women and the children over there. As an aside, the PR team for for the Taliban, it shouldn't be funny, and it it shouldn't be. That there are some things that just shouldn't be funny, but the stuff they're putting out has been um, them eating ice cream or them dancing to Drake. Uh, uh, Twitter is a gold mine. Of uh, sources of things that should not be funny That I pray for forgiveness about Ultimately we really do pray That uh, the regime is different this time Um, If I was old Joe Because of the way things look now I would deploy everything in the area To secure the airport And, And watch me get myself in trouble Here's where I go off the rails When we talk about People attaching their bodies To a moving airplane That was not going to stop I read somebody say, well, how bad do the conditions have to be on the ground for you to rather hold on to a plane that you know was going to drop you in the sea? I'm willing to bet that that was more over. Uh, oh, shit, this plane really took off with me attached to it. What the hell do I do? I've lost my grip. Than it was things are that bad on the ground. I'm not saying that things aren't bad. I don't know what people expect it. If you go back and watch that detail, some of the people were running at the camera cheering as the planes left. I'm just, uh, there's the difference in grace and mercy and compassion and understanding and looking at things like, what what was your expected outcome? You literally, it's, it's like saying, you got as drunk as you possibly can got on the road and drove as fast as you possibly could past a known area where cops parked in the bushes what what was your what what what, what were you expecting were you expecting a ticket a DUI a crash because it couldn't have been you expecting to get home so we got a there, there's some I was Joe I'd send as many troops secure the airport get them out People are talking about the flights and the and the, this. <laughs> Here's what blows my mind even more: some of the people who are posting and tweeting, and I know people think I make it personal when I say when I talk about people's posts or people's tweets. And I've got like 5,000 Facebook friends almost now, and and follow almost 3,000 people on Twitter with 1,500 following me. Like I interact with a lot of people. So, <laughs> I, and and I see a lot of things come across my old timeline. So some of these people who are posting about accountability and not caring about these people are the same damn people who want to lock our doors to immigrants who are trying to come into America for a better life and don't want America to send aid to their country. Some of these same people who are so concerned with um, international affairs want America first. Some of these same people who want to bring up crime rates other places when in a debate about race tell black people will worry about black on black crime. Some of these same folks um, who are who are so distraught over this are the ones who did not care and thought it was the right thing to do. And that blows my mind. That is where it's better. Not have an opinion on an issue than to just go with, um, to go with whatever is trending or whatever is being said by a certain political side. Because I remember this. I know people don't really watch debates. People just look for what Twitter is saying, or they retweet what they thought was a hotline or they're watching a thirty-second clip. Because in almost every debate, the conversation came up, and it has in the past few uh, uh, election cycles. Do we expect America to be world builders? Are we still the international peacekeepers and everybody dances around if that's our job? We never wanted to be nation builders when we went to Iraq and Afghanistan mind your, mind your business is our is is our has been our mantra. We're gone are the days of talk silent and carry a big stick okay we We can't say we want to carry a big stick and not use it and um Ultimately at the end of the day as bad as People thought Some of the, the deals Obama made on his Way out the door were uh, This deal right here by Trump on allowing it on Agreeing to having our troops out In 18 months that's what people are like Oh we left all the equipment over there and Joe Didn't think about it Joe was given a deadline Before starting a war To basically get out Or you go back to war with Afghanistan And we're Down a very significant number Of troops with all of our equipment still over there The plan was not thought out And so a lot of people A lot of politicians Wear and own the dirt for that 20 years and the only people Who uh, end up winning In any of this Were the big uh, Weapons manufacturers And I stand back at that Here's the other big story that grappled me this week One Timothy whatever the, Your middle name is Tebow it is no secret that I dislike Tim Tebow. It is not a single I would never hide it. haven't liked the man since I was a sophomore in high school, haven't liked him, didn't like him at the, at the Florida Gators. I stand by come at me bro, saying that at no point do I think Tim Tebow was even the most talented quarterback on his roster. Tim Tebow is not better than Chris Lee Tim Tebow was not better than Cam Newton. Tim Tebow benefited from one man by the name of percy harvin okay tim tebow benefited from the university of florida having to spin and build a whole campaign on the shoulders of a man and market it off of his religion don't care what anybody say tim tebow himself has marketed himself off of his religion and his relationship the university of florida uh marketed him off of his religion and his relationship as long as I've seen sports as long as I've been involved with sports I almost at every sporting event since sporting events has happened have you seen an athlete go to the corner of the end zone and pray period when they sensationalize sensationalized Tim Tebow doing it and changed the name of prayer to t-boeing and t-boeing trade t Bow trademarking it and people saying oh he did that so people couldn't make money off of that no he did that he made the money off of people saying t-boeing that's public record and all of that was to cover how wild uf was in the time i remember those uf teams i remember partying in gainesville in those times were some of the best of times and Tim Tebow took away from all of the people that were arrested, all of the crime that went on, all of how thug nasty it was. I will never forget being in the club with some friends and literally they might've beat our ass, but they were going to get a fight with, it was about to be a group of us versus a, a group of people that were on that team. That team was one of the most wildest, most thuggish, most out there teams there was ever composed and it didn't get talked about at the time because Tim Tebow was the band aid You think it's even more evident when you look at what Tim did in the NFL? And I, <laughs> I just, whatever. Haven't been a big Tebow fan. When so, so when Tim Tebow chose the Jets over Jacksonville, I knew it wasn't about playing football. Okay, go back and look it up. Go back and, and watch it. Tim had an option leaving Denver. Denver said Jacksonville wants you. You can go to the Jets. He went to the Jets because Rex. he thought he would have an opportunity to play quarterback under Rex Ryan. He did not want to come to Jacksonville because he did not want to be asked every other week to do um, some type of charity event. Those documents can be found. Those comments and quotes can be found that Timothy made them. Nevertheless, when he did this whole I'm going to the NFL thing, people who and somebody told me this week I uh, I don't know sports. Eh, that's okay. I don't have to know sports. It's cool. I can live with that. Um. People who do know sports and people who don't know sports, like me, said this man is never going to be able to play tight end. This man. Oh, he's so physical. Oh, he's so. Th-. There is such a difference, in I, I I say it all the time about cooking. There's a difference in people who can cook and people who can cater. And just because you can cook does not mean you can cater. Catering is a totally different beast. And the same notion, people who can cater struggle cooking. I am, to my own horn, one of the best people who can cater, period. When it comes to producing in mass, cooking in mass, setting up, executing, timing, putting the staff in place, there are few people better than me at that. But when I cook at home for just me and Nicole, I struggle with toning my hand back to provide a meal for just two people. I always cook for like ten, even when it's just two of us. There are people who cook, who do a great job cooking for just two people, and struggle in putting it out in mass because it requires a different level of details and 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 different timing, and it's more time consuming. And the thing that you could take forever to do when you're cooking for two people you can't afford to do when you're catering because it goes from two to 200 or in some instances I've catered for 2,000, 3,000 is what it is. Just because Tim Tebow was quote-unquote physical quarterback where he had a running start and could kind of pick his spot and run and lower his shoulder and have leverage was totally different than coming in at tight end. And the fact that people even entertained it, I don't give a damn people. Oh, life is about relationships or this, that, that, No. If I had a relationship with somebody and they said, Hey, Anthony, I want you to come. I'm going to pay you a hundred thousand dollars to come lay cement. I'm never going to take it. And I grew up spending summers on a farm. I'm never going to take that job. Not because I'm not, I can't handle the hot work. I know that I'm not effective in those settings. I'd be wasting their money. And just because someone is their friend, I get calls all the time. Hey, Anthony, what do you think about this big business venture? Hey, do you think you can help me on this? No, I can find you the right person because I know I don't have the time or the energy or possess the capability to do it. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just made up different. But it was a shame to even try it. It was a shame to even celebrate it. It's done. And there's a bigger conversation on the psychology of the entity that is Tim Tebow on this love of him and this following of him and this weird thing that everything he does, people just put it out on faith and, oh, he's going to play baseball. Oh, this is faith. Oh, he's going to do that. It's his faith. Oh, he didn't get an opportunity because cut his faith. Christians have been playing sports forever. So of every other religion out there, his faith has nothing to do with his success. If faith had to do with the level of your success we would all be billionaires. Faith is not um, measured by what you achieve that is a horrible 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 notion. Faith is determined by what you're able to endure on the inside what you're trusting God with. sometimes that inside comes out and it manifests on the outside but but that I, that might be my biggest disdain. Is how people And quote unquote I won't say quote unquote Because they are Christians They're followers of Christ How we allow this (laughs) This thought process of Tim Tebow Success being linked to his faith Okay I know a lot of people who have zero faith And got a lot of money Who have a lot of success But hey What do I know I'm just a guy who's right Like 98 point 36% 3-6% of the time And I'll stick with it At least in my little world So uh, until next week uh, This has been another episode of a, of a new perspective I love you and there's nothing you can do about it Peace